Hey, real quick, um, we've been announcing this every week, but we want to make sure you know. Uh, do me a favor, if you got your phones, can you get your camera on that QR code? If you got your phones, pull them out real quick, get your camera on that QR code. That QR code will take you directly to our registration. And so you can go ahead and start the registration, even if you're struggling with figuring out how to ask mom and dad, or you're worried about finances. There's no reason, trust me when I say this, I have said this for 13 years, and I will say this for the rest of my life, we will never, ever let money be the reason and why you can't have an encounter with God. And so we got money in the bank and that's what it's for, to provide for you. And trust me, the people are always willing to give. We talked about it just last week. One of our former students who gave a full donation for somebody to be able to go because we believe in what God's gonna do that weekend. Amen? So I wanna encourage you, make sure that you get the QR code, make sure that you register on that. And just a reminder, when you register, after you're done, you'll get an email, and even if you look at the registration portion, there'll be a little button there for you to go to the parent signature part. We're going to need that part. It's an additional step, but it's an important step. So make sure you get that portion signed off so that you guys have permission, because if we just take you without your parents' permission, that's kidnapping, and P. Joy ain't trying to go to jail for your breakaway. Amen? Amen. Awesome, awesome. Um, so I just wanted to make sure everybody is aware of that. Also, by way of announcements, uh, this Saturday, say this Saturday. This Saturday is a very special Saturday because, uh, one, our church is having a business meeting and uh, they are going to vote on whether or not uh, I and Cicely will be the next lead pastors of our church. So we need your prayer for that. And nobody cared here. Cool. You're like, yeah, you're leaving us. Who do we care? Thanks, guys. I love you, too. Um, but honestly, even more than that, I'm excited because after the business meeting in this room, we are going to be having our first uh, Speed the Light Market of this year in this room. And so what that means is we did this last Christmas and we planned one out for this season. And we're actually going to do four this year. So we got one for every season uh, that we're working to put together. And let me explain real quick what the Speed the Light Market is. We have a number of things that are going to be getting sold here. And so uh, we're going to have some people walking through and it's going to be kind of like Ikea. You get a little piece of paper, you pick all the things you want to buy, and then you go and you pay for all your collective things, and then you get all the stuff back at those tables. And so we're inviting the whole church to come down and do it. We want to make sure that you guys come. If you want to help and you want to participate, talk to Valerie. Valerie, wave your hand. If you want to help participate, talk to Valerie. If you want to be a part of it, I don't know if there's still time. Again, talk to Valerie, uh, and she'll make sure you guys get all that information. Now, if you're wondering what Speed the Light is, I am so glad you asked. Speed the Light is the avenue through which our students within the Assemblies of God, which is the fellowship that we're a part of, uh, give when it comes to missions. And so within the Assemblies of God, children give to what's called BGMC, Boys and Girls Mission something, something, something. I don't know what the C stands for. Uh, club, I think it's club because they're kids, right? Let's just say it's club. Boys and Girls Mission Club, that doesn't make sense, but it sounds kiddy. Um, and then... Teenagers give to Speed the Light and adults give to World Missions. And uh, what this does is it helps provide the needs for our missionaries to be able to go out and preach the gospel. A missionary is somebody who is called, who is set apart to go into a place outside of where they're from to be able to preach the gospel, be that globally or even within the United States. And so what we do is we supply uh, any kind of information or, or transportation necessary for them to do that. So if they need a car, 
to go up the, these mountains in a remote village that nobody's ever been to, we supply that off-roading vehicle. If they need a bicycle, if they need a boat. I had a friend of mine, he was the first missionary to eat his vehicle. He had a camel that he needed. He bought, they bought him a camel. That was his transportation. The village that he was ministering to was going through a famine. And so he killed his camel and gave it to the village so that everybody can eat. So he always brags about he's the first one to eat his speed the light vehicle. Uh, but this is what we want to do. We want to make sure that there is no hindrance towards being able to preach the gospel. Because right now there are millions upon millions of people who have never in their lifetime heard the name of Jesus Christ. Right? Not that they're not just Christian. They don't even know there is a God. They don't know there is a Jesus. They've never heard of Jesus. They have no understanding of Jesus. It's nothing to them. And we want to make sure that that's not possible. We want to make sure that everyone has what we like to call the human right. You have the right to at least know there's a Jesus. You have the right to at least have that opportunity, that choice to say yes or no to Jesus. Every one of us in this room, we've had that choice to say yes or no to Jesus. And that's your choice. But to think you didn't even have a choice, to think that people might die and go to hell without ever having a choice is terrible. And so we want to do everything we can to make sure everyone has that opportunity. And so we've been doing a great job over the last few years doing that. Last year, as a youth group, we raised just under $17,000 for Speed the Lights. So give it up for what y'all did last year. And as a fellowship within all the United States, all the youth groups that got together and, and did what we were doing, raising money for missions because we're stronger together. There's more of us than one of us. And so all of us together, y'all know how much we collected collectively? $17 million for Speed the Light. $17 million. We broke every record imaginable. Um, coming out of the pandemic, praise God. And so I'm, oh, I'm super excited about what's going to happen this year. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit today because obviously we're having the Speed the Light Market this Saturday. But I, I wanted you to understand something important about missions because here's the, the, the tension that we have sometimes as pastors, particularly as youth pastors, right? For the first several years of my youth ministry, I didn't talk about missions at all uh, as far as trying to raise money. When I was a teenager in Excel, we never talked about it. I've said this in the past. I think they looked at us like poor Chicago kids and thought, oh, you know, Dito, they're on food stamps, so don't ask them to give money to anybody, which I found insulting at some point where I'm like, y'all got better shoes than I do. Like, you can afford things when you want to afford them. But the reality is missions wasn't really a big thing. And then one day, God really got a hold of my heart. God really began to challenge me about not instilling a spirit of generosity in the next generation, about making sure that we understand money doesn't control us, we control money, and we dictate where that money goes, and to make sure that God, when he has our heart, he also has our wallet, because ultimately, all things belong to God. And so could you imagine, like literally, could you imagine if Jesus Christ showed up and said, yo, you got a five I can borrow? You wouldn't go find $5 for Jesus? You'd be like, oh, Jesus asked me for $5, hold on, right? And so if God is asking us to supply the needs for his people to go and do the work, then I want to do everything I can to be able to do that. And so, you know, that began to stir in my heart. And then it got sealed several years ago when my wife and I went to Vietnam. I was actually mentioning to one of the students beforehand, my flight on the way there, we went from Chicago to Hong Kong, 16 and a half hours, one flight. Like I was like going nuts after a while. And then I'm like, dang, and I got to go home. Like this, this is going to be rough. Uh, but we went and I remember we're in 
Vietnam. We're, we're talking to the people of Vietnam. Obviously, it's a communist country. It's a closed country. We're visiting one of the orphanages that we were supplying. We drove in a speed the light vehicle with all the food and material that we had to give to this orphanage. I show up there. Every kid is climbing me like I'm a jungle gym. I think I'm the biggest person they've ever seen. And so they're like punching me in the gut and like, wow, look at how big this guy is. And they're just like hitting me and climbing me. And literally, there's a hundred orphans in this place. There were so many babies that most of the babies had flat skulls, like the back of the head was flat, because if you lay a baby too long on its back, the head begins to flatten. And so there weren't enough people to carry all the babies. So a lot of them are just laying there all day long. They got flat heads. There's no cushions because the cushions create moisture and rats and bugs will get in it. So they're just on flat planks on on the bottom of these cribs. And then I remember, you know, we're doing this thing. And then uh, at the time, our district youth director comes up to me. He hands me this gorgeous baby. And he says, hey, do me a favor. Tell me why missions matter. And then he pulled out his phone. And I was like, that's a dirty move, bro. And I remember I just started to cry. I'm just like, who would not want to give this baby an opportunity to know Jesus and to know love, to already start out in life feeling rejected, feeling lost, and to know that there's a father who loves him and cares for him. And that began to really mess with me because how many know it's different when you experience it. It's different when you see what's actually happening. And so here's the tension, right? The tension is if we want to get kids to raise money, the easiest way to do it or the easiest way to get people to give you money is to give them a sad story like that. Or give them a project. So last year we were building water wells in Africa. And praise God for what you guys were able to do. And we were able as a state to build three different water wells that provided clean water to areas that never had water. Churches were built next to that water well. People were hearing the gospel. And I'm grateful for that. And before that, we, we did Project Rescue where we uh, raised money for um, uh, an organization, a ministry that went and rescued people from sex trafficking. But sex trafficking, water wells... If I can say it respectfully, those are like almost like cool things. They're sexy. They're like, man, I can get behind that. We need to get behind that. If I said, hey, this year we're going to raise money for the refugees in Ukraine, you'd go, yeah, absolutely. Hey, for this year we're going to raise money uh, to rescue children in orphanages. Absolutely, we need to do that. But if I said, hey, we're going to raise money for a missionary who's going to Sweden to preach the gospel. Someone wants to go, meh, Sweden? I think they're all right. <laughs> Hey, we're going to raise money so that uh, somebody in Japan will know Jesus Christ. It's like, Japan? I, I would like to go to Japan. Why are we raising money for somebody else to go to Japan? And the, the problem with that, if I don't do this right, I will raise a generation or, or I will wrongly teach you that projects matter more than people. And I need you to understand it's the other way around. It's people over projects. Always has been, always will be. We don't do this because there's a project. We don't do this because there's a celebrity attached to it. We don't do this because there's NBA players and NFL players that are matching our funds, although that happened last year. And I think that's cool, but that's not my why. The why always has to be people. Is understanding that on the other side of that donation, on the other side of that effort, on the other side of that bikeathon, on the other side of that bake sale, on the other side of all the efforts you put into missions, there is a person who is hearing the gospel for the first time. And that's why we do it. To know that one day you might be standing in heaven worshiping God next to somebody who heard the gospel through a missionary that you sent because you decided, hey, I'm going to shoot a thousand free throws and get people to pay me money for that. I want you to understand, I want you to hear my heart that it will always be, as far as I'm concerned, it'll always be about people. I say people for me. Now, I want you to hear Paul's heart for people. In the Bible, 
in the New Testament, Paul, uh, he's the author of all three-fourths of the New Testament. And he is probably the greatest missionary we've ever seen. Most of his writings are to the churches that he went and established in the different cities that he visited. The churches in Corinth, the churches in Ephesus. These are churches that he planted as a missionary to go to. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, as they were praying, the Holy Spirit began to move. And the Holy Spirit told the church to set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work of the gospel. To go and be missionaries into the world. These are two of the best. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to send those guys because they're going to go and preach the good news. They're going to go and spread the gospel. And so I want you to hear Paul's heart as a missionary. If this is one of the greatest examples of missionaries, listen to his heart, in particular, his heart for the Jewish people, right? For the people that, that he came from. And Romans chapter nine, verse one through five says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. Listen, he's saying like four different times, guys, I am dead serious when I tell you this, okay? My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. And listen to this statement. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ if it would save them. You hear what he's saying here? He's saying I would give up my salvation if it meant they would have it, right? If they would have it. They are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made a covenant with them and gave them this law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Paul's saying, listen, I got a heart for my people. And we get that, right? We have a heart for our people. Guatemalans, you got a heart for Guatemala. Puerto Ricans, you got a heart for Puerto Rico. Irish people, you got a heart for Ireland. St. Patrick's Day, good for you, right? I don't know how many, Joe, you half Irish? I don't know, just, no, you're 8% Irish. Somebody got an ancestry.com, right? So, so we got a heart for our people. If you found out, again, let's be honest, right? Look at how many with everything going on in the Ukraine, how many Ukrainians that are in other countries, that are in the UK, that are in the United States, packed up and went to fight in the war of Ukraine. Why? Those are my people. So there's a heart for your people, the people that you identify with, the people that you connect with. But then Paul doesn't limit it to his people. He broadens it out. He doesn't just have a burden for his people. He has a burden for all people. Because if you see the next chapter, Romans chapter 10, verse 12 through 15. He says, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. Gentile is anybody who wasn't Jewish. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's not just the Jewish people. And it's not just the Puerto Rican people. And it's not just the Mexican people. And it's not just black people. It's anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. So here Paul gives the recipe. 
right? Paul is saying, listen, I, I would literally give up my salvation if it meant my people would know Jesus and would accept him as Lord and Savior. Not only that, but I want everyone to know the Lord and everyone should have, be, uh, have the opportunity to know the Lord. But how could they if no one tells them? And how can anyone tell them if no one's sent to tell them, right? Listen, maybe God is calling you at some point in your life to go, to go and be a missionary, to, to go and preach the gospel, even if it's, man, for just a one-time thing. It may not be the rest of your life. It may be two, three years you're out in the mission field doing God's work. But the reality is not all of us are gonna go. And not all of us are called to go. But I do believe as believers, all of us have the responsibility to send, to send someone to be able to do it. And it's no different. Listen, we only have a youth ministry because our church believes in youth ministry. And they were willing to invest financially in a full-time youth pastor. That's the difference between our church and most other churches. Most other churches aren't willing to put that investment or even can't put that investment in a full-time person being dedicated to doing it. So somebody sent me to go reach you. There's no difference than when you supply for someone else to go reach them. That's the process. We're paying it forward. We're making sure that what God did for us, he does for someone else. And it may only be five bucks. It may only be a hundred bucks. You may not feel like, well, I'm not paying somebody's $45,000 salary. No, you alone are not. We as the kingdom of God are providing for the needs and we are sending people who are called by God to do the work that God called them to do. But the only way that'll happen is I believe you gotta have a burden. If you're taking notes, that's the first thing. It starts with having a burden. What does having a burden mean? It means being bothered for something. Having a burden is not wanting to do something. It's needing to do something, right? It bugs you. It messes with you. The fact that people are dying to go to hell, that messes with you. The fact that people go their whole life without knowing Jesus, that should mess with you. The fact that you could actually do something and you don't, that messes with you. Most of us, the reason we don't get involved in missions or really anything else in the church is because it's not a burden. It doesn't bother you. It doesn't even mess with you. You go through your whole day and you don't even think about it. It's not a big deal. And how could I expect you to ever do anything for the kingdom when you're not burdened for it? And I mentioned this story the other day, but you know, when we started doing some of the outreach stuff, it started with a burden. I was bugged. I was bothered that we weren't doing anything. And then the spirit of God just told me, well, Joey, why do you think I'm bothering and burdening you so that you will get up and do something? And so a burden is when God places on your heart this relentless necessity to get up and do something. Paul had a burden. You could not stop Paul from doing what God called him to do. Even when the people he was called to do it to didn't love him, didn't like him, didn't want him. Do you understand how many missionaries have been killed by the very people they tried to reach? Have been literally martyred, have been, you can imagine any kind of way of killing. It's happened to someone who gave up everything to give their life to Jesus to give them an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. Right now, we have several missionaries all around the world that are in places where it is literally dangerous to their livelihood if anyone ever found out they were a missionary. There are places where we only can refer to them as M's because if we even use the word missionary, we can't even type, we can't put anything on Facebook or on social media because we can't allow an opportunity for them to get tracked down. Like that's how serious it is even to this day. Why would they go and do that? Because they have a burden that they can't ignore. 
Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15. It says, even now, we go hungry and thirsty. We don't even have enough clothes to keep us warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our hands to earn a living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the pers- uh, present moment. I'm not writing this to shame you. But to warn you as my beloved children, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father. For I became the father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. Listen, Paul's just keeping it real, right? He's being 100 about all of this. He's saying, listen, you guys treat me like garbage. I don't even have a place to eat. I don't have enough clothes for my body. Like I'm freezing to death. I'm starving to death. I'm, I'm hurting. And on top of it, you treat me like garbage. But I do this because you're my spiritual children. And what father wouldn't do anything for his children? Listen, I get it, right? My daughter, she ain't always nice to me. Plenty of times where she's rude or she's mean. I'll be like, baby, can I get a hug? No. And then just walk away. I'm like, yo, you cold-blooded, sweetie. Like, I just wanted to hug you. Baby, can I get a kiss? No. Literally, the other day when she was here, I gave her a kiss, and there was a lot of teenagers around. And she, for the first time, i never seen her do this. She went, ew, yucky. I'm like, oh, you're embarrassed of me already? You're, not, you're two. How are you already embarrassed of me in front of your friends? But she's my daughter. I will give my life for her. Paul thought the same thing of these people, of the people of Corinth. He said, I'm not doing this to shame you, to embarrass you. I'll give my life to you because you're my children. And even if you abuse me, even if you hurt me. Listen, every missionary we're sending, they're not going on a vacation. They're leaving their loved ones. They're leaving everyone. Back in the day, I don't know if they they don't do it like this anymore. But back in the day, missionaries, when they would get ready to go to the country that they were going to, they would pack all their belongings in a coffin. And the reason they packed it in a coffin is because they literally took the coffin they would be buried with when they died in that country. They were never coming home. They're like, I am going and I will stay there until I die. Okay? Like that's the sacrifice that we're willing to make in order for people to know the gospel. I don't know about you. I'm willing to support somebody like that. I'm willing to get behind someone who's willing to leave everything to be able to go do what God has called them to do. But you got to have a burden. The reason why we want to support our missionaries is because they've proven that they have that burden. That they're willing to do what you're not willing to do. I have some friends of mine that I met when I was in South Dakota and I've been able to hang out with a couple of times. And just recently, they told, uh, they made an announcement that they're going to uh, the area of Vanuatu to go be missionaries in some of these island chain countries that have never heard the gospel. And they got small children. They're, all their kids are like under 10. And they're going to places where there's not even school for kids under high school. It's like, you're gonna do all that? You're gonna give, you're gonna put your family through all that? And their reason is, yeah, because we have a burden for those people. It's not just about our people. Someone like that? Yeah, buddy, we'll sponsor you. We'll take care of you. Number two, if they have that burden, part of our responsibility is helping to relieve some of that burden. It's different having a burden for people versus having a burden because you're trying to help people. 
right? What, what I mean by that, the difference is, hey, I might have a burden about one and it helps somebody and, and, and it bothers me and it messes with me. And then the other thing is I have a burden because I don't have clothes, because I don't have food, because I don't have a place to stay. And that's making me doing what I'm called to do a lot more difficult because I'm lacking in resources. I'm lacking in basic necessities of life. And so a lot of times when people think about Paul, they think about the scriptures where he says, hey, I, you know, I don't charge for preaching the gospel because it's a privilege. No one can hold it over me. I do it for free. And so the Bible tells that Paul, he would build tents in order to supplement his income in order to preach the gospel. And people like to brag about that, but they forget the fact that that was just for that one area. He was also funded. There were people who supported him, right? There were people who were willing to help relieve the burden. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse nine, listen to what it says. It says, and when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you and I never will be. Hey, listen, we as believers should support those men and women who are willing to go everywhere to preach the gospel so that they don't depend on the support of the very people they're trying to reach. Hey, listen, you don't got to go to some of these uh, small areas, small islands where they don't even have actual monetary value, where they don't have finances. You don't need to go in there and start leaning on them to support you. We got you. You don't got to worry about anything else but preaching the gospel and making sure people know Jesus. Do you understand the honor and the privilege it is to be able to do that? To be able to say, hey, missionary, I don't want you to worry about your vehicle. We got you. And now in that vehicle, you'll be able to go anywhere you need to go to preach the gospel. Hey, missionary, I don't want you to worry about your sound system. We got you. And now you'll be able to use that sound system to reach people. Hey, missionary, I don't want you to worry about that bicycle in Copenhagen because everybody rides bikes in Copenhagen. We got you on that bicycle. All I want you to worry about is what God called you to do. That's the burden that should be on your shoulders. If I can help relieve a little bit of that burden, if I can take the worry off of you to be able to do what God called you to do, then praise God, I want to do it. Especially when I don't have to do it alone. When we collectively do that, like I said, I'm not asking you to raise every missionary's budget on your own, but we collectively, as a nation, $17 million, we took care of a lot of needs, guys. We took care of a lot of projects. We took care of more than just cars. We built water wells. We helped rescue people. We did some great work with the money that was put forth. But it's we that did it. And every little bit counts. Every little bit adds up. So we have to have a burden, and we love that our missionaries have a burden, and our responsibility is to help relieve that burden. But I need you to know something. You get a return on that investment, okay? I know Jaden and I, last week, we were talking about business. We were talking about finances. And we were talking about the stock market because, you know, he's smart like that. Y'all should be friends with Jaden now before he makes all that money. But we were having that conversation about investments. Listen, there's no greater investment you can make than an investment in the kingdom of God. I guarantee, I promise you, there is nothing on this earth that you can invest in. No Apple stock, no Tesla stock. There is nothing on this earth that you can invest in that will have a greater return than what you invest into the kingdom of God. Listen to what Philippians says. Philippians chapter four, verse 15 through 19. Again, this is Paul speaking. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news and traveled on from Macedonia. 
No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with the Epaphras. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. At this same God who takes care of me, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, when you take care of God's people, you better believe God takes care of you. Okay? When you take care of God's people, don't be afraid about, well, what about me? And how am I going to survive? No, no, no. God will take care of you. Now, again, don't get it twisted, all right? I don't want you to, the, the mathematics of the kingdom of heaven are not, if I give $100 to speed the light, I'm gonna get $200 back in my life. Because it doesn't always work like that. It's not always, I'm not saying it may not happen. That would be great if it did. But I'm not saying that's how it happens. I'm saying when you're generous, God will never stop being generous with you. When you put God to the test, you can never outgive God. As a matter of fact, uh, since we started really pushing Speed the Light, my wife and I made a commitment, and everyone in this room who's brought it up, they can tell you, right? Any student who did anything for Speed the Light, we would buy from you. Right? Raise your hand if I bought something from you, me and my wife have bought something for you, okay? Anyone who does anything for Speed the Light will be the first to invest. We have made that commitment. Now, that commitment has cost us money. I don't keep track of it all the way. My wife does for our own records. I don't care. That's not a big deal to me. But I can tell you over the last several years on top, I mean, that's just you guys, on top of the hundreds and thousands that we give on our own because God, we've committed to giving to missions. We commit a certain amount every month to missions. We commit to personal missionaries that we supply every month. Uh, We have given a ton to missions. I would argue in the thousands over the last four or five years. And every time God keeps supplying more. Every time I've given, I'll give you a quick story because this is funny um, because generosity, right? Begets generosity. And so I was making a commitment. Every camp I would do, I would give a percentage of my check back and give it to Speed the Light. I won't tell you numbers because that's not important. It's just, this was my heart, right? And then I remember we're at uh, our own camp in the district, Illinois, and we're doing Speed the Light offering. And I'm like, man, I'm going to give like, I'm going to give big, right? And I wasn't going to tell anybody. It's just me and my heart, but I'm like, I'm going to give big. And I had several hundred dollars that I was going to give. And then the speaker comes over to me and he goes, Joey, what's the name of your youth group? I go, it's Excel. He goes, I'm going to donate on behalf of Excel. I'm going to give Excel $1,000 for Speed the Light. And I remember I smiled at him. I was like, bro, that's great. And in my head, I was like, oh, you done did me, bro. <laughs> you showed me up. <laughs> like He didn't know this, but in my heart, I was like, fine, I will match what he did, right? But, but there was like, it wasn't competition. It was just like, they're my people though. I love that, but they're my people. I'll do that too. And it was amazing how his generosity sparked my generosity or competitiveness, whatever you want to call it. But man, you know what? He didn't announce that from the platform. Nobody knows he did that. He just quietly, he sat next to me in the back. He sat next to Joey, whispering to me, what's the name of your youth group? Excel, I'm going to give through Excel. So on paper, it's not his name, it's Excel. And I remember looking at that going, I want to be like that. I want to be generous like that. 
And so every time I've tried to be generous, suddenly I get more phone calls to do more camps or more events or somebody sends me random checks or like just money was flowing in. And I knew it wasn't so that I could do, you know, get bigger, whatever, buy newer shoes or whatever. I knew what was happening. Me and God were in a weird competition of seeing who could be more generous and I kept losing. And I love that. I love that God will never leave you hanging when you put him first. I love that you will never miss out when you invest in the kingdom of God. But I do know this, when you're stingy with God, when you hold back, when you think, well, I can't trust God, I gotta trust in me, I gotta trust in what I can do and what I can provide, then God tends to let go of his hand and say, well, then go ahead and you trust it then. See, I'm trying to teach you guys some lessons through missions that are gonna be important for your walk for life. Being generous is important in your life. You should be generous people. As the people of God, we're called to be generous. If someone's in need, we provide. If someone needs someone to talk to, if someone needs help, if someone needs a little something, we, we offer to help, okay? We can't solve everybody's issues, but we can be a generous people. I need you to be a people who have a burden for the lost. If you don't care that people are dying and going to hell, then I would argue you're not a real Christian, You don't really appreciate what God has done in your life if you don't appreciate that others haven't experienced what you've experienced. Again, think about this. Like uh, I was talking to David, one of our drummers and one of our new leaders. He's asked me every day since Batman came out. Have you seen Batman? Have you seen Batman yet? Hey, let's go this weekend. I'll pay for Batman. And I'm like, bro, if you preach the gospel the way you preach Batman, everybody gets saved. (laughs) And again, I'm not knocking him. Heard it was a good movie. My point is when something matters to you, you make sure it matters to other people. When something's big to you, you're like, you haven't done that or you haven't seen that or you haven't experienced it. You got to go. Well, all I'm saying is this. People deserve a right to know who Jesus is. Amen. Whether they say no to him, that's between them and God. But they at least deserve the right to know who he is. And I need us to understand in a moment, we'll take some time to pray for that. If you don't care about that, then you're missing out on what God cares about most. Because as much as God loves having you, he still misses the ones who haven't come home to him yet. And I think back to when I was a kid and my little sister, we thought she, she went missing. And we come home from school and my mom's crying. And we're like, what happened? She's like, I can't find your little sister. Do you think for a second we were like, I mean, you still got the three of us. <laughs> like, you know, you only lost one. No, as soon as we saw her crying, our heart was broken and we went to look for our lost sibling. Now, a little shortcut to the story. She, was, uh, she fell asleep crying behind some boxes and we had just moved in and my mom told her she couldn't go to the store and she ran off crying and she fell asleep behind some boxes. And then my mom beat her when she woke up. But we didn't not look for her just because we were already found. There were those who were still lost. And so I, I want to ask Pastor Jason if he'd come up and just play the keys for a couple of minutes. I had a few of our students, because I think it's one thing when you hear it from me. I think it's another thing when you hear it from your peers. I had a few of our students that I'm going to have share just a couple minutes uh, who have been behind Speed the Light, who have done a lot of work, who have reminded me, hey, can we do this for Speed the Light or can we do that? Who have raised more than $1,000 a piece uh, for Speed the Light. And I want you to hear from their heart just Why? Because I think if you understand somebody's why, it's easier to understand your why. Amen? All right, so I'm going to ask uh, Bella, would you come up real quick? 
Hello. Um, so I give to missions because I've experienced God's salvation. I've experienced his overwhelming love and forgiveness. And it hurts to know that there are people in this world who don't know the name of Jesus. Um, and it's one thing to know of God and, you know, not want to pursue him and not want to go after him. And it's another to just have no clue who God is, to not know what the Bible is, not know that there was Jesus and he died on the cross for our sins. Um, and, you know, I want people to know that. I want people to experience what I've experienced. I don't want to be selfish with that. So. Awesome. Uh, Julian, would you come up real quick? down a little like summary so I said I started a shoe restoring business when I was 15 and built up a name for myself after about a year and a half of gaining experience throughout all this time I was tithing and separating my money from God's money for speed the light after about a year and a half I felt God tell me that he was proud of my tithing but that he gave me a business to do more and use it for his glory completely so I was obedient and I set up a post that stated that for a month I was going to be giving all the money that I raised from my shoe business to speed the light instead of just my 10%. Uh, I posted on Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram, like all my social media platforms. Uh, from this post, I got about 10 to 12 people hit me up uh, and say that they needed shoes cleaned. I also had Pastor Joey give $45, so thank you for that. Uh, after, Yeah, for real. Uh, after about or after the month was complete, I raised about five hundred and fifty dollars, apart from the money that I already had been saving for Speed the Light. Altogether, after about five months of saving and the month that I had given all the money I made, I raised a total of one thousand one hundred and twelve dollars. And I said I thank God that I was obedient and listened, because from this I made more clients and more clients with new people that still hit me up today for shoe restorations. Uh, it just goes to show how great God is and to know that people around the world don't know who he is like truly hurts my heart so I just want to do everything that I can to help them know him Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Ara So reasons why missions is just like big on my heart is because like Bella, um, I don't know, it just really breaks my heart to see that there's people just around the world that don't even have that like opportunity to know who God is and to have a relationship with him. Like I'm over here like living and walking in the freedom Jesus like gave me and there's people out in the world that don't even get to do that. And if I just sit around and do nothing about it, like nobody will, you know? So like, I just want to encourage all of you guys. You know, I think for me, the most like hard thing that I had to go through was a lot of doubt. I felt like God wasn't going to provide. I felt like um, people weren't going to like buy the things that I sold or support me. But I noticed like over the past years, like um, it was the opposite. Like um, people were supporting me. They were praying for me. They were providing, like helping me, like 
I don't provide for the supplies that I needed. And I also want to encourage you guys to just like take that leap of faith, you know, because um, once you take that, like God is in control and he'll take care of the rest. And also like missions doesn't just have to be like around the world. It can be in your community. It can be at your school. You can be a missionary wherever you are. And for me, like I just started my Christian club at school and I felt so for a long time, so discouraged because I was like, God, how are you going to provide for the food? How are you going to provide? Like people, are people going to even come, you know, like, um, but I'm just so overwhelmed with joy because there's people that are supporting me. There's people that are praying for me. People, I received a letter in the mail that like people from um, like across the country that I don't even know are praying for me and yeah like you know we just have to be there and we have to pray and we have to just um, give what we can um, because by the end of the day what, what we have is not ours it's God's you know so that God can multiply it and that his kingdom can multiply you know through us so yeah awesome Hey, why don't you stand up? We're going to get ready to close out. So if you know my wife and some of you got to see her again for the first time in a while last week. My wife, uh, I like to jokingly call her a missionary groupie. Uh, she loves missions, such a heart for missions. So much so that when we were dating, I was like, can you like take a month to pray and fast and just make sure that you're not called to be a missionary? Because I know God hasn't called me to that. I know what God called me to. So I just want to make sure we don't have to divorce in like 10 years or something, right? And, and she, she settled in her heart. She goes, no, no, I'm not called to go, but I am called to send people. And I know that's our calling as a couple. I know that's our vision not just for the youth group, but hopefully for our church. There would be a generous church that sends. Our church already supports 63 uh, distinct missionaries on what God has called them to do. Every month we support them financially and through prayer. And uh, going back to my wife, she's got this binder at home with, with almost like basketball cards, but it's missionary cards. She collects literally collects missionary cards. So any event I go to where missionaries are there, any district, my responsibility if she's not there is to go to every booth and collect missionary cards and bring them home. And she punches little holes in them and she puts them in her binder and she systematically every night prays through them. And when she prays to them, she puts them in the bag and she goes through the whole book of missionaries over however long it takes, you know, days or months, and then starts all over again. And then she started doing that with my daughter. So my daughter will be in the crib and my wife will be like, okay, Josie, it's time to pray for missionaries. And she'll open it up and she'll pray for this missionary in this area. And, you know, it got to a point where my daughter would remind my wife and she'd go, mommy, pray for missionaries. Okay, babe, we're going to pray for missionaries. And she would pick it up. And my daughter, at one point when we walked in the room, she had the binder. She was on the bed. And I was worried that she was going to rip the note cards out. So I was like, no, 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 Josie, don't. And I look at her, and she opened the binder, and she goes, amen. 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 And I was like, dude, that's dope. Because you know what? It might have sounded like gibberish. And I think my daughter knew what she was praying. I think her spirit was praying. And then we told that to some missionary friends of ours that are in the process of going to the Middle East in an undisclosed area that they can't talk about. And I remember one of those missionaries, the, my friend's wife, 
she just starts bawling. And she says, can you please tell your family how much that means to us on a regular basis that you pray for us? We feel those prayers. You know, they love the money. They need the money. But God, they, they love your prayers. So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to ask you guys to join me up here. And I want us to just take a couple minutes. And I want us to pray for our missionaries. Now, you may not know them by name. You may not have a binder with all their pictures in them. But here's an easy thing to do. I want you to close your eyes where you are. And I want you to think of a country or a people group, an area. Who knows, maybe the Holy Spirit will give you a very specific area to pray for tonight. Some place that's desperately in need of revival and of a missionary to go there. I want you to take just a minute, picture it in your mind's eye. Just narrow in on that. And I want you to first pray for the people of that area. And then I want you to pray for the missionaries that God is going to send or has already sent to reach the people in that area. Right? Once you have that place, would you just begin to pray for those people? I'm going to ask you to lift up your voice. No one's listening to you, but it's, it's easier to not get distracted. Come on, just begin to pray. Just begin to lift up your heart. Just begin to ask God to move in that area, to move in that part of the world.